Hey mamas, this is Playfully Faithful Parenting, and I'm your host, Joy Wenling. I'm a seminary grad and children's and family minister turned stay-at-home mom to my five girls. Spiritual parenting is my calling, and it's my passion to help other mamas disciple their kids using the power of play and their own authentic daily walk with Christ. If you're a mama who wants to introduce your kids to Jesus and watch as the Holy Spirit transforms their lives, this is the place for you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in and see how we can partner with God today. Hey, mamas. Welcome to Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'm your host, Joy, and I have just spent the last few days at a writers and speakers conference online with Redemption Press, and it was marvelous. And I just love the way that um, they encourage us to seek Jesus first and to dig into God's word first as we then share what God has called us to share. And so for me, God has called me to share with you, mom, ways to play and love your kids and disciple and discipline your kids with Jesus, with Jesus, using connection and play and joy. And I want you to enjoy motherhood. And just like as writers and speakers, we have to dig in to God's word first so that we can share it with others. You as a mom need to be in God's word first so that you can share it with your kids. That is the basis of Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9 and where I get my love, teach, play approach. It starts with us. You loving God with your whole heart. And today, as we dig into some of the elements of play, I want you to spend some time wrestling with these elements yourself. And I think as we experience these things, it is easier for us to share them and invite our children into them as well. So if you did not listen to last week's episode, I want to highly encourage you to go back. It was kind of an overview of what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this month and maybe into May. We'll see how long this goes. Um, Last week, I was planning to cover a couple of the elements but I didn't get to it because I got so excited. And um, that's what happens to me when I start talking about play is I just get excited because I love the potential of play for our faith. And um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. So today, let me review what the six elements are when they start with anticipation then goes to surprise, and then pleasure, understanding, strength, and ends with poise. And these kind of lead from one to the next, but not everybody will go through this exact order of all of them every time. 
And again, we are talking about true play. We're not talking about entertainment. We're not talking about forced crafts. We're not talking about um, parent-led or teacher-led games with specific, all these specific rules of we do this, then that, and then this. Like we often use that word play here in English, but that is not what true play is. True play, remember, is apparently purposeless. So we're not doing it for one specific goal. It's done for its own sake. It's voluntary, even for the kids. There's an inherent attraction. We want to do it from inside of us. We are drawn to it. It creates freedom from time, a diminished consciousness of self, improvisational potential, and a continuation desire. We don't want to stop. So I know your kids have experienced that. Because every time we say it's time to go, our kids have this continuation desire, right? They don't want to stop. But today we're talking about Scott Eberle's elements of play. And so we're going to start with the first one. And my hope is that we get through the first two. We should. Um, but, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Um, So the first one is anticipation, waiting with expectation, wondering what will happen, curiosity, maybe a little anxiety, like a a nervous energy, a happy, good nervous, you know, perhaps there's a slight uncertainty or risk involved. Can we hit the baseball and get safely on base is kind of an example. And this is um, from Stuart Brown's play. How it shapes the brain, opens the imagination, and invigorates the soul. This is his summary of Ebrel's um, elements, and um, the but it says the risk cannot be so great that it overwhelms the fun. Now you might know, or you might have just seen in movies or TV or something, people who do really risky play climbing mountains and you know all these really crazy dangerous things but they love the risk and the adrenaline so that is part of this first one and a couple of the words that I want to kind of hang out on and focus on are the words wonder and curiosity Because if we can get our kids curious, well, not, we don't have to get them curious. They are curious. But if we can discover what they are curious about, then that makes our efforts at trying to engage them in God and his word much easier. If you are talking to a kid or playing with a kid or sharing with a kid something that they're interested in, something that is relevant to them, something they're curious about, it is so much easier for them to learn. The same is true of us, right? You probably got better grades in the classes you were interested in 
then or even maybe just if you were like someone who was tried to get straight A's like I did, um, you had to try a little less hard to get an A in the class, classes that you liked. But the classes you're not, you weren't interested in probably were harder for you to get those good grades and to stay engaged. And God can change this curiosity and this wonder. And when I, for example, when I was in high school, I took Spanish because I went to, when I started, I went to three different high schools, but one of them two different times. And anyhow, I switched schools a lot. But the school I started at was a um, a magnet school. It was for government and international studies. So we had to take four years of one language and two years of a second language in high school. So I was going to do four years of French or Spanish. I don't remember, but I started both. I took both French and Spanish. And French, I ended up taking only two years of in high school because moving around and different schools didn't have it. Spanish, I took three years of Spanish and a year of sign language also. So I ended up with seven language credits. And really, I wasn't that interested in languages. I The sign language I was, but I wasn't that interested. And I had to try hard at Spanish and I was not great at it. It was not easy. And when I went to high or to college, my first year, I didn't take language, any languages, because I, I did, um, I had tested out of three semesters of Spanish and each semester was a year. So, I mean, it was about lined up, but I, so I took that year off and didn't do any Spanish. And during that year that I took Spanish off is the year that I came to know Jesus as a friend and as a, a, someone who I could have a daily relationship with, as opposed to someone who died for me so I could go to heaven. Like I thought he was only there for me in history and in the future. I didn't know there was anything about Jesus for me in the present. And I learned that during that year. And at the end of that semester, I was really drawn to languages. Like, well, I I placed out of Spanish, but I don't really remember Spanish. And I didn't feel that good at it. But I was like, I'm going to just sit in and take the Spanish over the summer. So I audited Spanish one and... It was like amazing. Like clearly God had done something in me with Spanish because I could do things and knew things that I don't remember, didn't remember learning or that I didn't learn well in high school, even though I got good grades, I knew them and it came to me so easily. Like hundreds, hundreds. And I was like, what is happening, God? And so in that moment, that that summer, I realized, I was like, God, I'm so curious what you're doing 
you're doing something here. I wonder what are you doing? And so I became a Spanish major and a French minor and I took German and Portuguese and like I had full semesters with zero classes in English and I spent a semester abroad in Spain and I had planned to go to Sweden with Young Life. And it was just crazy what God did to me in me with those languages. And when I became better at them, I got curious and I had more wonder. And I, you know, went to Spain, even though there was risk involved by myself as, you know, a 19 year old or yeah, I was 19. I turned 20 while I was over there. But like God had worked this in me and it became easy. And so when we are curious and can anticipate, see that God's doing something, we expect something, then it's easier for us to learn and to grow. And so when our kids are curious about God, they will want to learn and grow and spend time with him and it will become more natural and um, less work for you. And you are not responsible for your children to fall in love with God. Let me remind you, you are not responsible that for your children to commit their lives to Christ. That is the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to model God's love for them and to present them with an honest and true picture of God and show them what it looks like to walk with him in this abundant life. So Jerome Berryman is the founder of Godly Play. And in Godly Play, they use a lot of I wonder statements. And it says um, this article that I found from Living Lutheran website um, called Encourage Wonder says that Jerome Berryman, founder of Godly Play, recommends leading children into a form of deep play that leads to wonder and encourages them to ponder the source of the wonder and allows for ends for their insights to emerge and shows children how to speak Christian. And he he says that they may not use the exact words, um, like a, gives this example of ascension, but um, it we want children to. Um, he also says that by encouraging kids to wonder, we give room for the mystery of God. We want our kids to be curious, to set that um, to to feel like they're in this environment of curiosity from Joshua 4. Like we get to live this life that creates wonder in our kids so that they ask, mom, why do you do this? Or mom, why did this happen? Or mom, I wonder if, if Jesus um, did X, Y, Z. I wonder if he played pranks with his, his disciples and when I, that my kids love that I, when I ask sometimes, I wonder if Jesus and the disciples had stinky feet, like just asking these silly questions and modeling that wonder so that our kids get 
to wonder. And as they wonder and become curious, then they are excited to dig in and to be with him and to be in his word and to learn more on their own. And that draws them in to God and the mystery of his word and to exploring that. And then Eberl says that that anticipation and wonder and curiosity leads to surprise. Then, I mean, how much surprising stuff is there that God does, right? I am always blown away by him. But if you aren't in tune with who he is and what he's done, and you're not able to recognize the things that he has done as his, then we don't get to be surprised. And so we want our kids to wonder and to be seeking and to be curious so that when they find out answers to questions or they discover that God was there with them all along, or when they hear about Jesus's resurrection at an age where they finally get it, they can be surprised. Or when they read a new story about a miracle for the first time, like, whoa, God can do that? Yes, we want to be surprised. We want our kids to be surprised. I don't want to lead a boring life. I want this abundant, joy-filled life that God offers. And that is full of surprises and wonder and anticipation. And those things go together. And these are... Also, another word for surprise in here is the unexpected, a discovery, a new sensation or idea, or a shift in perspective. We have so many perspectives happening out in the world that are encroaching on our kids and our families and us. Can we, can we? invite our children and ourselves to be surprised for God to show us new ideas and to shift our perspective as we dig into the word together, as we play together, as we invite God and the Holy Spirit into our play. I think we can. And I think that will produce an energy in us this exuberance, this love, this grace with our kids. I think it will draw them to us, which will help discipline problems be easier and they won't disappear, but they will improve. And you will have the empathy and the love for your child and the delight in your child to be more patient and more understanding of what is going on with them. And you will be closer to Jesus. And you will know your identity is not dependent on your children's behavior and their momentary communication of what is going on in them that's not controllable for them. And so mamas, let us look this week and wonder this week and be curious this week in our own faith and with our children 
and look for surprises. Let God shift your perspective and then share that with your kids. Like, oh, God surprised me this week when he said this, when he showed me this, when I saw the first crocus blooming, God surprised me. How did God surprise you? I wonder if you've seen God this week. And so mamas, if you would like me to come alongside you in this journey, I would love to. Whether we talk about discipleship or discipline or maybe a mixture of both, I want to be your cheerleader and help you to feel confident in your discipleship and discipline in a way that works for you, your gifts, your faith, and your particular family. So reach out to me. Reach out. You don't have to do this alone, mama. And on behalf of God, thank you for loving and playing with his kids. Bye now. Well, mamas, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me on Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'd love to keep the conversation going over on the socials. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you felt encouraged or equipped by today's show, do me a favor and leave a review. I can't wait to hear your story. Till next week, keep playing and pointing those littles to Christ.